0: So when we were dreaming up, what do you do? What do you do for service on Christmas morning, right? And because uh, we, you know, we we wrestled. We started talking with it. We started talking about it back in August. We were at Camp 207, and I was on a text thread with a bunch of other um, pastors and churches, and and uh, and it was okay. It's August. Who's having Christmas, Who's having church on Christmas Day? Right, and there was it was you know me, and again, probably six or seven other pastors in the area, and you know me being the Enneagram three that I am, which is a you know achiever, accomplisher, I like to win at things at all costs, I don't care what it is, I will beat you, um although I must admit, I lost on Thursday night, um, uh, we went axe throwing as a staff to celebrate Christmas together. And we did a competition, and Ian and Bree won. And so, I will, that's your prize right there, that I admitted that <laughs> publicly. And so, and so, I'm sitting at Camp 207 on this text thread, and, and I responded just pretty quickly, um, we are, right? We are. And, and we debated about it. We went back and forth as a team. You know, do we do Christmas? Do we just record a service? Do we... And for us, and I'm not, hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me. For us, um, we just kind of felt like if there was ever going to be a time to do church, it would be this. It would be this time for us to pause, to take an hour, count travel time, maybe 90 minutes out of the day, and just be together because of what today means. And I want to unpack that for us a little bit. Then we're going to sing a few more songs, then I'm going to come back and talk about what we do with it. And then we'll sing one more song and we'll leave. And we'll do all of that again in the next um, 45 minutes or so. Maybe less, but don't get your hopes up. <laughs> and and uh, so, so as, we, as we committed to doing you know, Christmas Eve, Christmas morning, and New Year's morning, Um, We said, okay, well, what what does the service look like? What does the day look like? And we just just thought, how cool would it be to just strip it down and just sing some songs together and talk about the meaning of Christmas and what we wanted it to feel like. And I know it's not possible because of our our setup and our, our venue in here, but we wanted Jeff to be on a big grand piano right here like we were in Jeff's living room just kind of standing around the piano, singing some songs, and talking, um, and sharing. And so that's the feel that we're going to this morning, so I hope you're blessed by it. I pray that you are blessed by it. But I want to read to you this morning from Matthew chapter 2. We looked at Matthew chapter 1 last night, and I want to talk about the gifts that Jesus received when he was born. The gifts that Jesus received when he was born. So Matthew chapter 2, we're going to look at verses 1 through 12. Sound good? All right, good. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. Now, I want you to notice that. They had come to worship him. They come to worship him, right? Not to necessarily bring gifts, but gifts are honoring, aren't they? Gifts are honoring. Hopefully, prayerfully, you've got got some gifts uh, today or you're going to or over the weekend that, that, that you just say, you know what, this is honoring to me. I love this, right? And so, but they came to worship him. And when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, And all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. Now this was important. He was getting all of the religious leaders together. They were trying to figure out where this baby was. And they told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will be who will shepherd my people Israel. Verse 7, then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. Now we're not going to dive into this too much this morning, but he really didn't want to go worship him, did he? Okay, so you know the story that I too may be able to worship Him. And after listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Now that's a lot of joy. They rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. They rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. If you've got kids under the age of 50... You've probably already experienced something similar to this this morning. Screams that would rival the sound, you know, the sound barrier, right? And 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 feet and and running and trampling and 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 you know all of the joy that comes with the morning. I read uh, this morning as I was as I was just poking around and looking at. As some pictures and things, um, one of my friends down in North Carolina, his daughter woke up at 1.30 this morning. Yep. Excited. Similar? Okay, very good. Right, Rejoiced exceedingly. They rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh, and being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. So the first thing I want to look at is who were these wise men, okay? The wise men were called the, the Magi, or the Magi, okay? Um, and, and, and we don't know very much about this group of people. We don't know about these wise men, right? I'm sure some of you guys in here probably think, yeah, that would have been me. Right? I would have been one of the wise men. But Matthew doesn't even record how many of them are there. Traditionally, right, we see three in the in the in the in the manger scene and all of that, probably typically because practically because there were three gifts, right? And each one of them would have brought a gift. But we really don't know, and Matthew really doesn't record that here, but all the Bible tells us is that it came from the east to Jerusalem. And that term magi is the base from which our modern words magician or magistrate come from. But this morning, I want to focus more on one little verse. They offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, because I want to unpack these gifts because it has a lot to tell about the person and work of Jesus, and in the faith of these wise men to bring him these gifts, the obedience of these wise men to bring him these gifts because all that they had heard were promises about the coming Jesus. So, the first gift that we see is gold. Pretty sweet gift. You imagine that under your tree this morning? A little bit of gold, a brick of gold, right? Um, gold. Now, the gold signifies Jesus'. Kingly role. I like to think of it this way. I I love and 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 rest in the sovereignty of God. That He is the ultimate. That He is control and the goal, the gold that He is gifted on on at His birth. It signifies His kingly role. What is more fitting than gold for a king? His sovereignty. And the question that we ask ourselves, right, is that if Jesus is to be the king in my life, the supreme, the one that's in control, then I am challenged by the thought, what do I bring Jesus today? What do I bring before my king today? What can I give that I hold so precious to the Lord? Knowing that he is ultimately in control. And so the gold that he receives is is symbolic of his of his kingly role. A second, the frankincense. Now this sounds like something that would be given in October, right? But but why did they give frankincense to Jesus just because I've always thought Frankenstein, the gold, Frankenstein and the myrrh, right? But it's frankincense. Now, why did they give this to to Jesus because frankincense was an ingredient used by the priests in the temple worship to blend with the smell of sacrifices. And so this is really important because the frankincense symbolizes Jesus' priestly role. Now to really unpack this and to get the significance of it, we've got to think about the Old Testament. We've got to think about the Old Testament, which, which every Christmas I'm, I'm kind of baffled by and just, just blown away by, because the whole Old Testament was waiting for the sacrifice sufficient for the debt that they couldn't pay. And here's Jesus. Because if you think about the Old Testament, much is made about the high priest. Hebrews, much is made about the high priest. Right? And Jesus coming meant that you didn't have to go to someone before Jesus. Jesus made a way for us to go directly to God. Therefore, Jesus is the ultimate high priest. Back in Old Testament days, you would have had to go to a high priest to make your appeal to him before, because you, you didn't have access to God. And so then the high priest would go into the temple on your behalf, making your appeals to God on your behalf. And Jesus comes as the ultimate high priest, making a way for you to have access to God. That's why I talk about all the time. You really don't need me. I'd like to stick around. Please. But you have the same access to God as I do. Randy, in his Duke sweatshirt this morning, because of the grace of God, has the same access to him as I do. Now, if you're not from North Carolina or from the South, you may not know about the reasons that that Duke sweatshirt bothers me. But that's okay, that's a different story for a different time. But the gold signifies his kingly role. And the frankincense signifies his priestly role. And so it speaks of this, the ability that we have to have a personal relationship with Jesus. To read our Bible. To learn about him. To dig deep into the person and work of Jesus. To, to pray and to have access to God. That's what the frankincense speaks to. And then the myrrh. Now this one is a little eerie, and for Mary and Joseph, I can't imagine the look on their face when they got this gift, because myrrh was the, um, myrrh, it's probably my favorite one to say, okay, myrrh, right, the myrrh, right, Um, in Jesus' time, people used myrrh to preserve their dead, and it signifies the sacrifice of Jesus, and so these wise men, in their wisdom, knew, and this is a hard thing for us to grasp, especially talk about on Christmas morning, but, 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 but it's important to, to signify because we want to get the whole story. The wise men, in their wisdom, knew that Jesus was born, ultimately, as a sacrifice. And can you imagine, can you imagine, in their wisdom, to bring him that gift, Knowing that he was born to be a sacrifice for them. Wow. What a beautiful picture. What a beautiful picture. And so, as we think about the gifts of Jesus this morning, my question for you is this Is Jesus king of your life? Do we see Jesus as the high priest that we have access to God thanks to Him through the power of the Holy Spirit? And are we aware and and cognizant and and, and recognize that Jesus made a way? For God so loved me that He sent Jesus. So I'm going to invite Kristen and Ashley and Jeff back up here. I want to pray for us. We're going to sing a little bit more. But that's why this holiday, this day, is so important to us. Because we have a king that's born, that we celebrate. We have a high priest that gives us access to God on our own. And there's a sacrifice that paid the debt that you and I can't pay. And so, as we sing these next three carols together and around our living room, right, may we sing with those things in mind. That's the reason that we get excited about Jesus being born. That's the reason we get excited about Jesus being born. Father, thank you for the love that brought Jesus into the world to be king to be priest, to be sacrifice. And God, we worship you this morning with grateful hearts. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So what do we do with it? That's why Jesus came, we sing about it, we talk about it. That's why I believe Christmas is one of the greatest opportunities that the world gives us to tell us about Jesus. Because, because you can't. The Christmas lights, Jesus is the light of the world, right? I mean, just every, every opportunity, the gifts, Jesus received gifts to signify that he was the king, that he was the high priest, that he, and so we, and we get to partake in his, as his family in the celebration with gifts and peanut butter balls, all of the things. And so John three sixteen, and we already referenced it a few moments ago, but for God so loved the who and who was the world. As we say in North Carolina, everybody. Everybody, right? We slur everything down there, not because it's an accident, just because we're lazy. Okay? Everybody. It's too many syllables to pronounce. But for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, being Jesus, that's what we're celebrating, that whosoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And then later, towards the end, we we see recorded by Matthew this, this, this great commission Go therefore into all the world and do what? Make disciples. Make disciples. You know that's the that is that is the purpose of the church. This is the mission of the church. We say around here at Summit that um, that God that the church doesn't have a mission. God's mission has a church. Go and make disciples. That's the mission of the church. If we're not doing that, we're not doing anything. As the body of Christ, so go. Sorry, go and make disciples of all nations meaning everyone is, number one, deserving, and number two, needy of the news of Jesus. We don't get to decide who's in, who's out. Right? Everyone. Make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them. To obey everything I've commanded. And don't forget, I'm with you. Always. To the ends of the age. So, Jesus came because of God's love for us that we would not perish, but we'd have everlasting life. But He came also to save us, not that we would keep that gift, the most precious gift that we could ever receive, salvation, eternity, to ourselves, but that we would share it. I mentioned last night, Paul telling the Corinthian church, therefore you are my ambassadors for Christ. God making His appeal to the world through you. John 6.35 says this, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Jesus says it in his Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, blessed are those, Matthew 5.6, who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for the things of Jesus, for they shall be satisfied. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Let me be honest for just a moment. We can have everything today, everything. Everything can go perfectly. The meat can come out of the oven at the perfect temperature, not be overcooked, right? The, the mashed potatoes could be perfect, whatever you're having, the Chinese food, the, what, the whatever, right? The whatever. You insert the blank. You know what's coming, right? You know what's coming. I know what's coming because I picked it up on Friday morning. I can't wait. You should see this meat. Anyway, right? I know what's coming. We could have the perfect day, start to finish. But if Jesus isn't a part of it, we will go to bed not satisfied. If our priorities are off, not satisfied. Not truly satisfied. Not not satisfied in the way that, that Jesus intended you to be, that Father God, that God our Father intended for you to be. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Here's the deal. The wise men fell and worshiped God. They worshiped God, Jesus in the flesh, right in front of them. And my question for you is this, twofold. Number one, how hungry are you for the things of God? How hungry, how thirsty are you for the things of God? When we get an opportunity like this to stop and to reflect on the goodness of God to us through Jesus, Does it stir in you a deep appreciation for Him and deeper hunger for more of Him? I pray it does. But secondly, how hungry are you for the person right next to you to seek after the things of God? To hunger and thirst for righteousness so that they can can sense the satisfaction that they're searching for. No doubt, no doubt, no doubt, at some point this season, whether it's been over the weekend already or whether it's coming, we are each going to come in contact with someone that burdens us. With someone that we just desire for them to hunger and thirst the things of God. Because they're searching for satisfaction in all the wrong places. In all the wrong places. So, Jesus says, one of my favorite verses in John 20, verse 21. Many, talking about the Bible, John records many other signs and wonders were done that are not written in this book these are written that you may have life and have it to the fullest. And a little bit of a precursor for next week. There is nothing better for those that trust and believe in Christ Jesus than to be in His To stir a passion, because it's twofold. Number one, to stir a passion within us for the things of God, and again, to stir a passion within us that all may know. That all may know of His love. That all may know of the sacrifice that He paid so that He could have a relationship with you, and vice versa. And so the last song we're going to sing this morning is go tell it on the mountain. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is Lord. Go tell it on the mountain of what He did for you. Go tell it on the mountain of what He did and how He satisfies How He saves, how He protects, how He nourishes, how He provides, how He sustains, how He plans. Go tell it on the mountain of the goodness of God. What do you think? You want to stand? Let's stand. Father, thank You. and thank You that we get to be here. Thank you for the work. And thank you for the mission. God, you didn't you didn't send Jesus to this world so that your church could be stuffy. But God that we may be full of life. And so, God, I pray that we would reflect that this morning. I pray that we would reflect that today. I pray that we would reflect that every day. That we get to wake up as those who trust you, no matter our circumstances, no matter what the, what's going on in the world or the, or, or, or the cards that may feel stacked against us, God, that we would trust that you're in control sovereign and that you've got a plan even in the things that we look at and say this is hard and so God we trust you and we thank you for the work of Jesus in his name we pray amen